Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source of info for insights and best practices in digital health and digital transformation. Join host Patty Padmanabhan, CEO of Demo Consulting and co-author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how technology, consumerism, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with leading practitioners of healthcare and technology. Hello again, and welcome back to this episode of the Big Unlock Podcast. My guest today is the CIO of Magnolia Regional Center in Eastern Mississippi. It's a small 200-bed hospital and he likes to refer to themselves as a large ambulatory facility that also happens to own a hospital. In this interesting conversation that I have with Brian, he talks about all the technology-led changes that his organization is going through and provides us with a fascinating peek into the challenges for even a remote regional health system such as Magnolia Regional Center and what digital transformation means in today's context where there is increased competition for patients, for labor, and even for medical supplies. So let's jump right into the conversation. And before that, uh, I'd like to take a quick minute to acknowledge the generous sponsorship of our partners, Be Well. I am here today with my very special guest, Brian Davis, CIO at the Magnolia Regional Center. Brian, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for the opportunity and uh, thanks for having me. You're most welcome. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about the Magnolia Regional Health Center and the populations that you serve for the benefit of our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Magnolia Regional Health Center is a 200-bed, jointly-owned CD County acute hospital. We're located in the northeast corner of Mississippi in a little town called Corinth. Our mission here is to improve the health of the communities we serve, one patient at a time. We are a fully accredited joint commission facility, and we service about a seven-county region comprised of four counties in northeast Mississippi, as well as three in southwest Tennessee. We supply over 20 service lines to the community, including a level three trauma ED. Also, we operate around 20 ambulatory clinics uh, comprised of primary and specialty care and have a residential-based home health and hospice facility. So we are a HEMS Analytics ERAM Stage 6 facility, and in 21, we did earn a level seven designation for both acute and ambulatory services within the most wired uh, survey. Our primary service area has a population of around 37,000, while our secondary service area has a population of around 141,000. We do have a higher than national average uh, or higher than national average median age, and about 18% of our families do fall below the poverty level. So we do have a higher percentage of governmental payers within our payer mix. Uh, We also have a higher average of individuals without health insurance that are under the age of 65. And within those populations, we see about 30,000 patients annually through our ED. We have about 90,000 annual outpatient visits, uh, 10,000 inpatient visits, and about 133 ambulatory, 133,000 ambulatory visits. Uh, so as my CEO likes to say, we're really an outpatient organization that happens to own a hospital. Oh, that's an interesting one. And uh, I am really looking forward to unpacking what all of that means for a health system in the larger context of what we tend to talk about these days, which is digital transformation and digital health and so on and so forth. But before that, uh, just as a personal anecdote, I'm a big fan of the Delta Blues. 
Would you consider yourself to be a part of the Delta region? We are not. So the Delta is really on the western uh, side of the state. Uh, we are about as far east as you can get. Okay. All right. You mentioned a lot of very interesting facts about uh, your unique uh, health system. And you're in a unique place in the country, and you're also in a very unique area defined by your population and so on. Tell us a little bit about you know, how you make technology choices given the unique nature of the population that is. We tend to, in my podcast, we tend to talk to a lot of large health systems, many of them in large urban settings. You're about as different as it can get. So I'm very curious to learn on behalf of my audience, what makes your challenges unique and what are some of the unique technology-related decisions you get to make? Ultimately, I, I don't think this is unique to our organization, uh, but we do like to align our technology choices with our organizational strategic plan so that we're all driving in tandem with the rest of the organization toward the same goals. So at a high level for us, those are to engage our teams, to provide our patients with high quality personalized care, to strengthen our financial position, to create a stable future for our staff so that we can continue to deliver our mission to our patients in our community. Uh, and then we also are looking to expand our care by connecting patients with the right care at the right time delivered by the right caregiver. So those are the things that ultimately drive our technology decisions. But secondarily to those, you know, being a smaller regional hospital with finite resources, we have to be mindful of the operational impacts of technology on the organization. So things like the cost, both short-term, long-term, resource commitment uh, to the technology, both short-term and long-term, as well as cybersecurity implications associated with the technology. So we want to provide our staff with consumers with the latest and greatest in technology that helps to drive improvements in quality and safety, but we also want to keep the risk as low as possible to the organization. So we're constantly asking questions like, can this technology address multiple challenges within the organization? Can we leverage it and exist? existing technology to drive additional product value? Does the technology drive efficiency within our workflow processes? How would the technology complement our existing technology stack and workflows? Can we support the solution within our existing framework? And do we have the right skill mix in place to support the technology? And if we don't, what are those efforts involved with getting the staff appropriately trained to support the technology? Is there a staff pool available out there within the region to help support this and what educational requirements are required for our end users. Uh, you know, we don't have a large staff base, but it is something that we have to be mindful of when we're choosing a technology. Yeah, everybody talks about digital transformation today. What does that mean, digital health and digital transformation, in your context, in the context of a smaller regional health system like yours? I think I say this year over year, and uh, it's just an exciting time to be in healthcare IT. And uh, it may be starting to sound like a broken record at this point, uh, but the level of innovation keeps progressing at a rapid rate, and the insights that are being gleaned from analytics continues to improve, and it keeps pushing the boundaries of what is possible in healthcare. And the pandemic has really not done anything to slow this down. In fact, it's only pushed the escalation for the adoption of digital technologies. Being in a smaller organization, a smaller market, I'm not sure that my answer would look very different from uh, you know other counterparts or, or the larger organizations. But if you look at our technology roadmap, I think you'd see that digital transformation for Magnolia is the use of digital technologies to create or transform our processes, our culture, and our 
experiences for both our consumers and our staff to improve care delivery and potentially even in a small market create a competitive advantage you know as far as what we're investing in right now uh, if you go back to what drives our technology decisions we're looking to utilize technology to expand access to care while improving outcomes and quality so we recently uh, submitted for and received funding as part of the FCC telehealth grant to expand access to telehealth services within our region. And and this is actually a really great time for us as the state of Mississippi is also investing heavily to make broadband more readily available to residents in rural areas throughout the state. So we're looking to leverage these uh, funds in, in really three methods. And those are to provide acute-based telehealth consults for those scarce regional provider resources like infectious disease, intensivist, and behavioral health sources. We're also looking to build out an urgent care telehealth platform that provides immediate access to provider resources for those non-emergent issues because being a smaller hospital, it's not as easy to get to uh, you know healthcare resources within the area as it may be in some or other metropolitan areas. And then we're also looking to create a remote patient monitoring platform to help improve outcomes for our patients post-discharge. We're also working to develop a richer online mobile experience for our consumers with access to self-service tools that deeply integrate with the EHR. You know, these tools not only provide a better experience for our consumers, but they also provide better or improved efficiency for our staff as well. And so we're also investing in technologies to improve workflows throughout the organization. Staffing has become a a real challenge within the organization. So, uh, you know, when you talk about telehealth, right, can you give us an example of what you've implemented that that benefits your population, uh, your patient population, but also your providers? When we talk about telehealth, it could be video, audio, synchronous, asynchronous, and Pick any example. I'd love to hear what you've implemented that's made a difference. Yeah, so uh, we are using video-based carts with uh, Amwell to provide resources to our clinicians and our patients. So we historically have had an infectious disease provider on staff during the pandemic. They decided to move on to a larger area to provide services. So it left us without um, those resources available to our patients. Uh, So when we investigated, did it make sense to continue that uh, to provide those resources locally? Instead, we decided to utilize telehealth services uh, to provide those services. And then since then, we have uh, expanded that and are now using intensivist within our medical intensive care unit and also behavioral health. Uh, We have an inpatient behavioral health and we're using telehealth services to parts within the organization to provide those video-based consults uh, for those patients. That's a great example. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the organization level, the enterprise level. You, you talked about improving process efficiencies, improving uh, just the use of technology to maybe drive out a little more efficiencies in the way you run your operations. You're a Meditech shop and uh, you know, Meditech has also recently signed a, a partnership with one of the big cloud providers, Google. Tell us a little bit about what you make of that and how that is likely to impact or influence your roadmap with Meditech. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a great question. Because as a smaller hospital, you know, outside of our physical plant, our EHR is one of the largest financial investments, both from a capital and operational funding standpoint. Um, Here at Magnolia, we've been a Meditech client for over 25 years now. And so we have a significant investment in the Meditech technology stack. 
within the state of Mississippi, we actually have eight hospitals that uh, form a CIO collaborative that are Meditate users. And uh, so this is kind of a routine topic of discussion for us. You know, if you look at these eight hospitals, it is eerie how similar these organizations are from a technology portfolio standpoint. And I think that's because there's tends to be a smaller vendor pool developing within the Meditech space. And Meditech, you know, it really has a limited number of preferred relationships that they've really built deep integration with into the EHR. So historically, you know, we've tried to leverage the EHR for as much as we possibly could, even if it did not provide the exact experiences or outcomes that we were looking to achieve because of that deep integration and keeping our users working within the workflow in the context of the EHR. And, you know, and Meditech has been a great partner to us over the years and has really developed some great digital tools. And I'm very excited to hear about this next generation of collaboration with Google. But, you know, kind of today, we're taking a little different approach um, to our kind of selection process, as you may. We're not immediately defaulting to Meditech solutions. We're really taking a more focused approach to discover what solutions work best for us and our organization, our long-term goals, and our users and consumer experiences. You know, I know that there's been some debate as of recent as to whether the EHR should remain at the center of the healthcare digital ecosystem. And for Magnolia, the EHR still is our core source for clinical and demographic information. You know, however, we are looking at how we can use APIs, new HL7 capabilities, contextual SSO launches, and other interoperability standards to create sustainable and scalable solutions around the EHR that continue to deliver on our goals to drive efficiency and quality and experience. So one example is that uh, we currently are working with Meditech and a vendor of ours to develop a Magnolia branded app that will wrap the Meditech branded portal and with SSO integration. So if you're very familiar with Meditech, there is a mobile app that has been developed by Meditech that all Meditech hospitals use to provide access to the patient portal functionality. Because it is a single app for all sites, um, the app really provides no site-specific customization outside of branding. So this branded experience that we are currently developing in unison with Meditech will be the first of its kind for Meditech site and will give our consumers access not only to their medical records and patient portal functionality, but also all the other digital tools that we're looking to offer and provide. So um, we're really looking to balance that digital roadmap to help us achieve our goals. It's so interesting to hear that, Brian. Uh, your journey and your thought process uh, is very interesting to me because uh, you would be surprised how many health systems out there still default to the electronic health record system as the default choice for all of their digital initiatives as well. And in fact, my firm actually has a four-stage maturity model where we, where we really benchmark digital maturity based on how organizations are moving on from EHR platforms being the one and only solution to maybe an important solution, but not the, the one and only solution, nor even the default choice, especially for digital capabilities, such as the one that you, that you just described. And mobile app is one obvious area, and it's really exciting to hear that. And especially in the context of the comments that you made, that you have limited resources, yet you have to do what you can to improve the patient experience and to improve the provider experience. So the mobile example is a great example. Let's take a quick break, and I'd like to acknowledge our partners and sponsors, Be Well. And if you like this podcast, rate us 
on whatever favorite podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're interested in listening to the archives, visit us at thebigunlock.com. With that, back to the conversation. When we talk about the broader context of your competitive landscape, maybe you're not an as competitive a market as, you know, maybe one of the big urban metros, if you will. But I'm sure there are competitive forces that you define for your marketplace that may be a little bit unconventional. What I'd love to hear is what are these competitive forces that you see emerging for a somewhat insulated regional health system like yours? And how are you preparing to meet those competitive forces? Sure. The competition for patients is uh, growing to be greater and greater. And uh, so now, you know, we not only have to continue to contend with the larger health systems around us, uh, the largest rural healthcare system in the United States is actually just sits 50 miles south of us. So we have to continue to contend with those encroaching upon our service areas. But you're also seeing a growing digital health market with emerging entrances that uh, tend to be less limited by geographic borders. So growth within the telehealth space and offerings like the integrated access through Alexa-connected devices make accessing uh, care extremely convenient for consumers. Services like this could you know, be extremely disruptive to our primary care services and ultimately our referral path into our specialty services. So, you know, we have to continue to innovate and come up with new and creative ways to set ourselves apart, uh, build upon our foundational relationships with our patients, to set ourselves apart uh, from those competitors. Also, you know, another competitive force is the competition for labor resources in the, within our market. The competition for labor resources has increased drastically over the pandemic, and uh, the pandemic has driven a you know, increasing number of workforce out of healthcare industry. Remote workforce capabilities are extending the traditional geographic boundaries of labor pools, and uh, you know we now find ourselves competing with other industries and non-local organizations for labor resources. You know this is a big challenge uh, and a big change for an organization like ours, who is the largest employer within the region, and you know we've historically had an abundance of applicants to choose from in filling our labor opportunities, and we're just not seeing that any longer. So we have to continue to design our talent strategies to create the right culture within the organization that creates employee experience advantages, uh, keeps our employees engaged, and attracts the right potential candidates to the organization. And then lastly, kind of a new one, a new entrance into the competition is uh, the competition for supplies has become more fiercely intense uh, due to the limited availability and general disruption to supply chain. As a small organization, you know, we have struggled to procure everything from electronics to specimen collection cups and crutches, you know, just things you would have never even given a second thought to about availability. Items that we have historically ordered and had on site within 14 days are now taking months to deliver. On top of that, you know, our supply cost is uh, increasing at an alarming rate. And so, you know, for an organization that doesn't have large margins to deal with, you know, we've really got to think about and rethink some of our operational processes as we continue to move forward. Bargaining power for supply purchases will play a pivotal role in hospital operations over the foreseeable future. So you've got a perfect storm in front of you. Competition for patients, competition for labor, competition for supplies. Did I miss anything? (laughs) 
I pretty yeah, much covered that, it. That, that covers them, yes. Yeah. Well, as technologists, I guess uh, the obvious answer to us is technology. You talked about a number of technologies that you've used to transform the patient experience, to really get creative with how to use telehealth uh, to serve your patients. What about uh, things like automation? Are you seriously considering those? Or have you deployed those? Can you talk a little bit about that to address the labor shortage in particular? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, labor shortage uh, has been a real challenge for our organization, uh, as it has a lot of healthcare organizations out there that are being challenged by shrinking labor pool, as well as those increasing operational costs associated with staffing due to higher wage rates and overtime associated with store shortages. You know, this has affected our organization on multiple levels, from our entry-level positions all the way through our skilled labor force, and really doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. So, we are looking at multiple avenues to counteract these challenges. One of the areas that we're looking at to leverage technology to drive efficiency and effectiveness through workflow automation and repetitive task reduction and keep our staff members working at the top of their skill sets. So, you know, we're looking at opportunities to leverage microbots and robotics to perform processing of repetitive tasks. We also have invested in new bedside monitoring platform and nurse call solutions to help integrate with the HR and to eliminate manual tasks and automate workflow within the care environment. You know, another area that we're focused on is improvements in mobility and communication platforms to complement workflows by providing our clinicians with access to information when, where, and how they really need it. You know, and the goal of these is to these technologies is to remove those friction points and improve satisfaction by keeping our staff doing what they entered the workforce to do in the first place, and that's to keep their people. I touched on it a little bit earlier, but another area that we are leveraging technology in is within our patient self-service tools. We've already begun giving patients access to scheduling appointments and completing paperwork online prior to arrival, which we've received really positive feedbacks in our satisfaction surveys. But uh, we're now evaluating additional functionality in this area to give our patients access to additional tools as well as unifying that experience between prior to arrival and point of service. You know, this strategy helps to streamline that registration process, which not only is that patient satisfier, but also helps to streamline the process for our registration staff and helps to eliminate some of that staff burden there as well. Outside of technology, we're reevaluating the way we operate. We're looking at opportunities to centralize access to resources and eliminate siloed pools of resources to help drive additional efficiency. Within our labor force, we are creating some flexible staffing positions and implementing self-scheduling opportunities to give workforce more control over their schedule. And we're also looking for opportunities to expand our remote workforce capabilities in order to potentially expand our labor pool outside of our normal geographic footprint. But we want to do so in a manner that keeps that hybrid workforce healthy and engaged in the organization. Yeah, it seems like a lot going on uh, at, at Magnolia. I have to ask, uh, seems like you're throwing a lot of technology at your organization in a relatively short time. What are the challenges that you have to, to overcome to make sure that the investments are well thought through, but they're also well deployed and they're delivering the results in the shortest possible time? What are the big, you know, can you talk about one or two big challenges when you roll out technology at the scale that you're rolling out? Yeah, one of the biggest things is to keep the technology and keep it engaged 
with our organization. And so working with our leadership within the organization, working with our uh, end users, working with the frontline staff members to understand their challenges and make sure that we're deploying technology that fits their needs and is the best fit for the organization. So keeping those conversations going, working really closely with those staff members throughout the organization is probably the top priority there and probably also one of the biggest challenges because of the reduced staffing across the environment. We've got, you know, a lot of our leaders are pulling front lines, shifts and things like that just to keep the organization rolling. So not only is it probably the biggest need, it's probably also one of the biggest challenges uh, to ensure that we're deploying technology in the right manner. Yeah. We're coming up to the end of our time here. What are your big priorities for 2022, Brian? Yeah, as you said, it's kind of a loaded question because we have so many priorities right now that uh, when everything's a priority, you know, nothing's a priority. So uh, <laughs> if, if I was to break it down into a few areas, I would say that uh, talent recruitment and retention is a big priority for us. Uh, you know, we're seeing people leave the workforce in the industry like never before. And the competition uh, for people and labor has increased dramatically. So some of the questions that we'll continue to evaluate over the near future is how can we reduce workforce work burden and decrease burnout? How do we utilize uh, our digital technologies to improve productivity, automation, and collaboration? How can we leverage hybrid remote workforce as a recruitment tool? What can we do to create a more meaningful employee experience that really reinforces the individual's connection back to the organization and our mission? Secondarily, I would say that uh, we're doing a lot of effort to upgrade and improve our digital infrastructure in a manner that's, that positions ourselves to be more nimble and better prepared to react to the changes in the marketplace and the, is really a primary priority for us. This allows us to continue to evaluate moves to digital automated processes and away from those manual processes. We also continue to evaluate opportunities to leverage cloud infrastructure for scale. And within this area is also that intense focus on improving our customer experience. And lastly, definitely not least, I would say cybersecurity remains a top priority. The attack surfaces for healthcare continues to expand. So being proactive with our security measures to protect our systems and ultimately our patient data is probably one of the biggest challenges for our organization and one I'm sure that keeps a, a lot of CIOs across the country up at night. So, you know, how can we better leverage our technology to identify risks and better position our users to make good, sound decisions? Going to continue to be a focus area for us. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those insights. Uh, it's been a fascinating conversation, Brian. Once again, thanks for your time and for coming on the show. All the best to you and your team. All right. Thank you. Once again, I'd like to thank our partners, Bewell, for their sponsorship and their support. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Healthcare Digital Transformation Leader. Write to us at info at with your feedback and questions.